With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome once again to TalkPad, where we talk positively about dyslexia. And as ever, we have an amazing guest. And also as ever, I am joined by the dynamic duo, the amazing pair that is Charlotte and Jamie McAnch. Hello, hello, hello. It's lovely to be back, guys. It's lovely to see you, mate. Well, you know, it's been too long. It's only a month. So as you can see, folks, we have our wonderful guest, Matt Hancock, who needs no introduction. But this is TalkPad, where everybody gets an introduction, only the once. So I have prepared a few things here. So brace yourself, people, because let me tell you about our guest. Matt Hancock is a British politician and Member of Parliament. It has been since 2010. He has served as a minister in government in various roles on a number of occasions. We all know Matt best, or think we do, from seeing, seeing him regularly across the media as Health Secretary during the COVID pandemic. Matt grew up in Cheshire and studied maths-related subjects at A-level, earning a place first at Oxford University to study philosophy, politics and economics, and then a place at Cambridge University to further his study in economics. It was at Oxford University that Matt's dyslexia was first identified. Matt has worked as an economist at the Bank of England and subsequently as Chief of Staff to the Shadow Chancellor of the Exchequer. Matt's ministerial roles are too many to mention, at this moment, but they include the Department for Business, Innovation and Skills, Energy, the Cabinet Office, Culture, Media and Sport, as well as Health. He's been the Paymaster General. He has been the United Kingdom anti-corruption champion. And in 2019, Matt also announced his intention to stand in the Conservative Party leadership election, but withdrew. But that is not all. Matt is a man of many parts and capabilities and trained as a jockey in 2012 and won a horse race in his constituency town of Newmarket, where my brother lives. Matt also supports Newcastle United. Matt is an avid cricketer and plays for the Lords and Commons cricket team. He once played the most northerly game of cricket on record, succumbing to frostbite en route to the pole, but retains all his fingers. So the opportunity to be a classical pianist still exists. And Matt is dyslexic. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Hancock. Wonderful to see you, Matt. Matt I don't know whether to talk about. I mean, what, <laughs> what a CV. That's, it's great to be here. It's exhausting listening to all that guy. Well, that's only some of it. It's only some of it, isn't it? it and yeah. but, Phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. I, I'm, I'm genuinely blown back. And as an adventurer... Um, that's all I, that's the one bit I heard. Um, all the rest of it, I ignored it. Just went, oh my God, he's been to the North Pole. Um, yeah. so yeah, I bow to you a bit more now for that. <laughs> well, it is great to have you. And I'm sure Guy has some amazing questions up his sleeve, uh, as to, I'm sure we will, as we go along, but God, Guy, wow. Well, what can I I'm going to say, the thing, 
you may not know this, Matt, but I do um, coaching for adults with dyslexia, mostly through the access to work um, route. And so the people that I meet are often struggling, having a hard time. So that's the background to this podcast, to um, yeah. talk to people who have achieved or are achieving success at work despite the challenges. So it looks, doesn't it, from your amazing intro that you have kind of breezed through um, very successfully. And I guess that's not quite always the case. And yeah. uh, I heard another podcast with you talking to Darren Clark recently where you said that uh, when you mentioned to the cabinet office, uh, another member uh, mentioned that he was dyslexic as well. So what I'm curious to know is what, how do you, what are the challenges? Because there yeah. must be them. And yeah. how do you manage it all? Yeah, well, it's great to be on, Guy. And I, I'm sorry about that bell. I'm in Parliament. And that's the that's the bell for the end of the parliamentary day. It might go off again. Um, but uh, I'm sure we'll get through it. The, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. Um, and at, at school, I just thought that I wasn't very good with languages and wasn't very good with words. And now here I am in Parliament, you know, in a profession which is all about words and all about language and, um, uh, and, and trying to um, persuade people of things, essentially. And the, there were, you know, especially before I was identified as dyslexic, I had some, you know, some serious problems. But then it, 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 it stayed with me. So I, when I got to Oxford, having done maths-based subjects at school and then got into Oxford on an interview, because back then you didn't have to do an exam, you could have an interview. So I got through on the gift of the gab. Um, and then they took me to one side and said, you know, your oral communication is great, but you can't write. And I was very, very lucky because, you know, it's an amazing university and they essentially retaught me how to how to read and write. But my, the problems stayed with me. So, you know, I remember in my 20s, I was writing an election um, leaflet for um, for my then uh, boss who was standing. He was the MP for Guildford. And in it, he wrote out, he wrote out his, uh, you know, the, the leaflets that come through your door is election time. He wrote out. I want to unite the community. And I thought that was a choice phrase. So I pulled it out and put it in big letters across this leaflet. Uh, but unfortunately, I wrote, I want to untie the community. <laughs> <laughs> and it, this mistake was only spotted when the 40,000 leaflets were delivered to every single household in Guildford. So it was a bit of a, um, you know, that was one example of the, uh, uh, you know of the uh, the problems if you don't if you if your if your eye can't notice uh, the translation or in this case the transposition of two letters. So you know spell check came along. Uh, without a spell check, I think my career would have been uh, would have been pretty short. Um, but that doesn't do everything because you know as in that example, uh, both of those are actually words. It's just that they have completely different meanings. Um, and so I've, uh, you know, I've had to just work through that and, and, and work around that all the way through my career. So I've, so I've got it, a question. Is it, is it, right. No, no, wait, wait. Like, I've got good to get question. this one in, right? And, and I'm, you know, I'm really dressed up for this. So here's the thing. Do, is it that you put in more time and more energy than those people, your colleagues who don't have dyslexia? Do you have... Have you got a team of people who are reading stuff for you or to you? You know, there must, because there must be masses yeah. of stuff 
information to material well i'm a pretty slow reader and um one of the in government i was very lucky it suited me because um you know there's the civil service team and they are brilliant and i said you know if you put a piece of if you put a document in my box for you know for looking at overnight you've got to put a one pager on top of it and when i became a secretary of state in the cabinet and had junior ministers who i could delegate to i'd then read the one pager to decide whether to delegate something or if it was sensitive or big enough that i had to do the whole thing uh you know read the whole document myself so it was actually when i was explaining that to my new private secretary when i was made culture secretary he said you know, I'm dyslexic too. You've got to start talking about this and tell people because, you know, through that, you can show people that even if you're dyslexic, you can still, you know, succeed and get to the get to the top table in your chosen profession. So it was actually that, it was the process of getting the help that I needed um, that, uh, that, you know, led me to being persuaded to go public on it. But yes, it's, you know, reading is just, that reading is slow, but fortunately, I've got a decent mathematical brain, and and I can and I can talk. Um, so those, you know, though I, I just majored on those skills, um, and then I have to, you know, I have more support for the for the for the long reading. Well, actually, Guy, great question, um, which was actually almost identical to the question I was going to ask, which is, I you have a lot of reading to do in Parliament, and and now I know how you get around that which is which is brilliant and it's a great adaption tool but what I really picked up on there was you've got to talk about dyslexia because yeah so many people live with it on a daily basis they don't know they don't realize or like me I was told that I was basically the thick kid my my yeah. English teacher literally said to me I had no concept of the English language and my math yeah. teacher told me the only numbers I'd ever make up were numbers in the doll queue fortunately I've never really had a problem with either yeah I know right I know I mean this is very outrageous very outrageous but isn't it you know how important is it now to have people like yourself in positions where they can make a difference and, and do you think that living with a neurodiverse condition actually makes you a, a better mp and a stronger mp because you have better empathy for real conditions well i think that i think that at what you want in a group of people, whether it's, you know, the the body of MPs or the cabinet or running a business or whatever, you want people who think differently. And people who are neurodiverse think differently, come at things with different um, attitude. And, you know, you get better decisions, I think, when you have different people with different backgrounds. So it, it isn't necessarily that it's a positive, although, you know, dyslexic people tend to be more creative, have more lateral thinking. Um, maybe it's because of the... Uh, you know the way our minds are wired differently maybe it's because we've had to mitigate and find our way around problems all our lives um, and um and so you want lots of people who think think differently you do want some straight line thinkers you know i've got nothing against non-dyslexics you know, some of my best friends aren't dyslexic but they uh but you want to you want to you want the you want the creativity from a group of people who have whose minds work and through their experience come at things from a from a different point of view that's that's my attitude to it i'll tell you a story about that i um when i came out as uh, dyslexic um in um uh in government i got a text from a number i didn't recognize saying thank you uh, for being uh, for saying you're dyslexic and uh, you know i found being dyslexic was incredibly helpful in government because it helped me focus on the things that mattered and this text was from michael hesseltine 
who another famous uh, dyslexic, and he says that because he's dyslexic, it meant that he had to focus on the big questions rather than get dragged into the detail. But the funny part of the story is then I wanted to save his number in my phone, right? Because I, I hadn't, um, I knew him a bit, but I'd, I didn't have his number. Um, and um, uh, the Michael was fine, but I couldn't spell his surname. I mean, Hesseltine, it's just an H and then a whole collection of letters. Uh, I've absolutely no idea what order they go in. And so I ended up having to, find, having to Google Michael Hesseltine in order to find out how his surname was spelled, put him in my phone whilst he was congratulating me over coming out for my dyslexia. Uh, I, I feel your pain, right? Because I tell you what. I've got people saved in my phone um, and a very good friend of mine. He's not going to mind me mentioning. His name's Timothy Musselwhite, right? And he's a great guy. And he is literally in my phone as Tim Muscle something, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and it's muscle spelt as in muscles, but his name's yeah. actually muscle as in what you get in the sea as a, as a seafood. So, right. yeah, I have to change that at some point, right? Yeah. <laughs> So I do feel well, he's in good company. That, that, that's uh, we're totally kind of relate, and this is so true with so many people we've had on as guests. But I want to kind of because you said that you got diagnosed in when you got to Oxford University. Now you got in because you could talk and you got through the interview. Was that a relief for you when you finally realised that actually the reading and everything that you've gone through in the earlier days was not just due to you being a bit stupid when it came to reading. Was that a relief for you? Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. It was a light bulb moment. Um, it, it, and very, it, you know, for the self-esteem, realising it's not that you're just stupid, but your your brain has a physiological difference is it's incredibly important and you know of course it's it, it was important functionally as well because i went and got the support from the educational uh, team at oxford um and um but it was but the most important difference it made was that it explained it was like a crossword puzzle it explained what had been going on all my life and you know i come across some people who say oh we can't we shouldn't uh, identify and screen kids in school because you don't want to label them but the thing is if you're dyslexic you label yourself you label yeah. yourself as stupid yeah. and yeah. instead explaining that you are that you have a, a condition that your brain works differently that can both allow you to get the support to learn how to read and write and also learn mitigations but it it's deeper than that. It's about understanding yourself. It's a bit like, you know, if you if, if you diagnose somebody with a heart problem, not telling them because you don't want them to feel bad about the fact they're overweight. Well, why yeah. don't we tell them and then they can do something about it. Um, and, um, and, 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 you know, the problem is, is very similar. You know, there are proven techniques for teaching primary school children uh, who identifies strong on language, oral language, but weak on um, on on written, um, and these techniques need to be applied. But most importantly, we shouldn't be telling people that they're stupid. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. When I got diagnosed as being dyslexic, I was in my late twenties. I found it super super empowering, and the the best part about this was right. I've been working now with Guy, so Guy actually also helps me on my journey. Um, I've learned more about myself since working with Guy than I have known in the last 40 years of my life. Um, and that is how powerful it is. When you know what's going on, you, then you then seek the support of the people around you. 
and the things that you can create. I mean, some some people that I, you know, some of the most powerful people I have met have been dyslexic, and I've asked them, you know, what does it mean to you, like to know that you're dyslexic? What what does it actually mean? And they've all said it was empowering when I found out because now I actually thought, okay, well, this is the situation. Now I know how to deal with it. I can now go, I can take that step better because it's given me confidence. And I'm sure, I see you nodding your head. I'm sure you agree with that statement. It's 100%, 100%. 100%. And it doesn't, it's not, you know, I think some people who think, who, who find this stuff easy, think that it would be, it might be disempowering and you basically give up on your literacy capabilities. It's the opposite of the case. It, it empowers you to go and try to do something about it. And we all know that people who are dyslexic also, it's not just about reading and writing. It's about, um, it, you know, it's about how your memory functions, uh, in particular, your short-term memory. Um, and you can use other techniques like mind mapping that you can be taught. Um, so there are, you know, a combination of very, of, of very of structured approaches to learning how to read and write, which by the way, work for non-dyslexic people as well, plus understanding um, the you know some of the consequences you know in my case you know remembering my keys is something I have to actively think about because it's a, often a common correlation that people you know, basically you lose your uh, you lose stuff uh, it's, it's it, it, you know there's a correlation between how the work, mind works for that so there is a broader um, problem to be solved but you can only solve a problem if you name it. I've got a question for you, and I'm going to have to ask you, and it's very uncontroversial, and I know that everyone's going to laugh at me, but you work in the building with the biggest, most famous clock in the world. My question to you is, can you tell the time on a clock face? Uh, yes, I can. Well, I can't. So, oddly, that's why I didn't understand why for so, so long. Um, oh, right, right, right. I can't tell. So I'm, I'm lucky in that my... Uh, my, my um, uh, my maths and my use of numbers is, up, is is not a problem at all. And so I can tell the time from a, a glancing at a clock in a normal way. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, I, it, it, there's a spectrum, isn't there? And every everybody's neurodiversity is different. The only reason I, I asked is because you work in Parliament. And I just thought, I thought you know what, I'm going to say that in years to come, I'm going to be able to say, I asked Matt Hancock if he could I, I tell the time. And now I'm going to hand it over to uh, to Guy to save us. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing, because as you say, Matt, everybody's uh, uh, kind of neurodiversity is different. And um, I was talking to someone yesterday who was initially diagnosed with dyspraxia as a child then as a teenager had a diagnosis of depression but that wasn't quite right now then it was autism now they're looking at ADHD so it is difficult now there's such a broad range of traits that um you know the the term neurodiversity encompasses and they're all on a kind of scale of one to ten anyway and they interface differently and there's good days and there's bad days so it's massively complicated to pin it down um, isn't it as to what is behind any particular challenge and which is why personal development and self-awareness is really important and I think what really helps thinking about your um, screening uh, proposition is that um, it gives people a chance to, as you say, to identify it, to start thinking, this isn't me. Because what I find is the people who I talk to who are really struggling have poor self-esteem 
because the challenges that they face, they uh, kind of embrace as them. And once you can isolate them and say, well, you know, I am slow at reading, I am slow at writing and poor spelling, and maybe my planning and organization isn't very good, but these are all characteristics of dyslexia that I can apply strategies to. It's not me, I know I'm hardworking, diligent, person of integrity and resilience. Once you um, separate it out, then you can start really building, and that's when people thrive, isn't it? Because then they're um, they kind of raised above that internal struggle. So I think it's good for the prospect for children to be able to have that opportunity to separate the mystery of why things aren't going well with the opportunity to pin it down to something a condition yeah and then and then in, and then get the right interventions right so only well, one in right. five dyslexic children in school are identified so screening everybody will help identify who needs the who needs support and who needs and, and and who needs to get that extra support and then you need to keep measuring to make sure that uh, that uh, the kids who are identified as uh, being dyslexic get the get that support to get their literacy up which is going to be harder than those who find it naturally um, easy and straightforward and it's about teacher training because every teacher is a teacher of dyslexic children because there are dyslexic children um, in all schools um, and there are techniques that we know uh, work, and that that should be driven by the by the research and by the data. Um, and so I completely agree with the attitude that you uh, describe, uh, Guy. The key is not just the identification; it's the so what. You know, what are we then going to do? Uh, you know, if you identify a child as behind on their reading, especially when they're behind on the on the phonic end, as in the translation of symbols on a page into sounds in their ear, um, but they're good at use of language, potentially good, you know, wide vocabulary that they've picked up from oral uh, uh, language, um, then you know there's a gap and that gap needs addressing. Um, and so this can be solved. I'm an optimist, um, but it needs people to lean in and, uh, and, the, and the education system to embrace the fact that every child is different and put in place the solutions that we know work and to, to follow the science, so to speak, on how we can make that happen. Absolutely. And I think the only way that's going to happen is if there is, if the momentum for change and it can be built and sustained because you know, it's a minority condition, isn't it? I used to be a support teacher for young people with visual impairment, and we would um, relentlessly ask schools if we could speak to all the staff to explain the impact of this uh, when there was a new pe pupil attending, but the pressure that they had for training for all the other stuff they needed to know about, safeguarding and all the other children, behavior and so on and so forth, as well as initiatives, meant that we were often kind of sidelined and and that's the difficulty, isn't it, is keeping the profile, you know, visible enough so that um, the impetus to spend, because it's going to cost a fortune, doesn't it, to train all the teachers and, um, and it takes time. But this is what we are hoping to achieve, isn't it, with this kind of conversation and obviously with your bill and so on and so forth. Keep it in the public eye so that yeah. people understand, because lots of the people I talk to with dyslexia, I've never spoken to anybody about it before. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, you know, they don't know the characteristics. 
Yeah, and another part of the campaign is about um, is for employers as well. You know, um, there are especially with with uh, modern technology, uh, the downsides are, of employing somebody who's dyslexic are much smaller than they ever were, and the upsides are huge because you want people who bring a creative and a new angle uh, to the workplace, and increasingly so because jobs are increasingly about uh, human interaction and creativity lateral thinking because the computers do the boring stuff these days absolutely absolutely so if people want to support um or find out more where can they go to uh, do that is there a website well on, on my yeah on my my website uh, which is matthancock.com um and also there's a series of excellent charities in this space like made by dyslexia uh, who are worth um approaching um, and um, and who have uh, who have resources, uh, and uh, then you know this is coming in front of uh, a, a parliament, um, and it's obviously an important campaign with the Department for Education as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. One last question, Matt, before we, we end the show. Um, will you will you be attending or will you be involved with the Dyslexia Show coming up, run by Aaron Smith? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I think, you know, the dyslexia show, I mean, what a collection of people that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, well I hope to we, see you there. We, myself and Guy will be there as well. So let's stay in touch. And, and yeah, it would be brilliant to kind of be able to support you through this process, because I know from us as a company, we massively support it. Guy massively supports it. Um, it's been an, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and talk about, you know, the importance of this. Uh, yeah, I genuinely, mate, I, I genuinely say this when it's been an absolute honour. Uh, to have had you on the show and talk about a subject with someone who, who is in a place, in the position to be able to make such a significant difference to the lives of so many people. Uh, so well done and thank you for, for the work that you're doing and keep it up. That, that's all. Well, let's hope so. And thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I look forward to working on this. And let's all be on part of this movement to make sure that dyslexia is recognised, is spotted and that all those who have dyslexia feel this they have the support they need to go and and and, and make the most of their lives fantastic absolutely absolutely thank you matt it's been wonderful so from all of us you take care have a lovely yep. lovely day thank you so much with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.